0: hi everybody and welcome to another discussion of uh well shoot um we can't swear so we don't want to get too graphic here with describing these two teams but another discussion of the uh the bottom feeders of the nhl uh i'm a couple weeks deep into this and uh I hope that everybody's enjoyed it. At least I've been told that it's it's been fun. But uh, of course, to introduce myself to any new fans that are coming in and hearing this episode, uh, I'm talking about Ottawa Senators fans, uh, my name is Matthew Clink of the Brothers of Discussion, and I host along with my brother a show for the Detroit Red Wings called the Discussion Five, in reference to the Russian Five. Um, we discuss uh, top five topics uh, for the Detroit Red Wings on Mondays and Thursdays, and I am here today. Talking with Shane Ryan of the Frozen Biscuit Podcast. So Shane, I, I want you to take the time here and introduce yourself to all the sad but lovely Red Wings fans.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so hey, everyone! For people who haven't, you know, who don't listen to the Suns, obviously, because you're Red Wings fans. Name Shane. I run the Frozen Biscuit Podcast covering the uh, Senators. So I mean, got a lot in common. We're all bottom feeders, but it's a pleasure to be to joining Matthew today to to talk hockey always. Um, no, you, have, you have heard i mean I, this isn't my first rodeo so love helping out the network
0: oh yeah this has been a a blast because uh one thing that i can say is hard work is is getting guests on your show um i could tell you with uh, my other show the wrestling podcast you know i gotta throw that out there it's it, go, everybody go if you like pro wrestling go to com and brothers of discussion.com but man oh man has it been easy scheduling guests on this podcast in this network and uh, we got to give some praise and some love to the hockey podcast network and head on over to the hockey all right good it's out of the way let's talk <laughs> hockey <laughs>
1: yeah, quick simple out of the way
0: yeah right <laughs> so let, let's I, you know what i want to jump in there first um with something you just you just said that that always irks me as a red wings fan and um you actually nailed it right on the head you said for red wings fans um You might not be listening. I will tell you, they absolutely aren't, and that's not against you, my friend. That is who Red Wings fans are. And guys, if you're listening to me and you're angry that I just said that, you know, if you are the person that watches the rest of the NHL, you are the exception, my friend, because Red Wings fans just focus on themselves. But how great is it? Uh, And and tell everybody, I guess this is for anybody in the states. I know uh, for the Red Wings, we don't just have fans in Detroit. They like to plant themselves all over the country so this is for everybody across the United States i mean just tell me how great it is to live in a country where you know your fellow man is probably watching your favorite sport instead of the nfl
1: i mean the nfl is uh is high up in canada like it, it there is a following yeah definitely um i mean only having it maybe it's what three times and we don't get every game i think that's the thing is that there's probably like there's a cert, set games that we get to see we don't get to see everything so okay. unless you have like the zone or something else like you're maybe watching like the same three four teams every week it's so frustrating i hate it oh. um it's a lot of you know new england buffalo there and because like tsn has like five channels and ctv they still broadcast the same like three games it's so infuriating uh and i mean it's not much better with the nhl but because of the time change and whatnot, you get to see almost every Canadian team almost every time they play. Well, that's so, good. <laughs> Canada, as much as you love one team, because like yeah, I'm a diehard Sens fan, but I also hate the Leafs so much that I want to see them lose. So if they're <laughs> playing and Ottawa's you know not playing, I'll tune in just to watch them lose. So well,
0: yeah, you, you've probably got the same problem that we have in the states, at least for uh, for football. I mean. Like I hate the Leafs too, but I'm never going to, I, I just, there's never a channel I'll be able to turn on that'll have the Leafs unless I'm lucky enough to, to steal the CBC feed um, and, and get hockey night in Canada. But I, I just like our problem in the States just, and I can't, I don't even, I can't, I don't even have a comparable for hockey because we're just screwed unless we want to, you know, shell out to get uh, like uh, the, the NHL.tv, but we'll get just bombasted with uh, Dallas Cowboys football games, and man, oh man, do I hate the Dallas Cowboys! But
1: enough's enough. But I'm a, I'm a Steelers fan, and not like trying. Oh to
0: man, games shoot!
1: Games <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> the games up here on like on TV nowadays. Oh my God, you're, you may as well go looking for treasure sometimes.
0: But man, yeah, game, I, back to the game,
1: it's not on TV.
0: <laughs> but yeah, back to back to uh, the Leafs and the Sens. I just. I, I guess really, I'm really just here to tell you how jealous I am that you do get to watch at least your rival, you get to keep up with some other teams, because I, I, I don't know if you've heard, but the, uh, you know, down here in the States, when we're getting our NHL coverage, it's by NBC and NBC Sports, and uh, whew, that, that's bad, I <laughs> I'm super jealous that you actually have Jeff Merrick on your televisions, and I have to hope and pray that the podcast makes it through before I... <laughs> you, you know what maybe you hate jeff merrick maybe he's in too many spaces for you but all i have is his podcast so <laughs> i just get the jeff merrick uh you know uh what is that the sports net uh stuff going in that that's it
1: yeah i mean there's some there's some guys up here that i kind of wish uh, would switch for some of the american broadcasters that's for sure okay okay uh, i think we'd be happy to trade i think so <laughs> i mean i will there's a couple of them mainly that are on panels up, like on like, especially sportsnet and uh, TSM. Oh, yeah. There, there's some some guys that I just, I I would rather have.
0: Have your uh, hand chopped
1: off? Yeah, they make. There's one of them that makes my ears bleed. And I hate him. He's he's a leaf rider. Don't want to name his name just because like that can cause a lot of problems. I gotcha. <laughs> uh, he's a leaf rider through and through. If you watch the uh, the 2016 draft lottery, he's wearing a Toronto jersey. Oh, well, that's set. sweet of him. And I'm just like. I understand you want like a player's opinion and whatnot, but like when you're a broadcaster, you would think that yeah. professionally you have no bias. Nah, he's <laughs> up. He rides Matthew so hard. I'm I'm surprised he hasn't broken something yet. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. He's so infuriating to listen to. And I'm just like, how do you even? How do you have a platform? Like, why are you here? And he uh, nothing to the table.
0: And the the censoring of the hockey podcast network. I respect it, but. Dang it all to heck! If if there was no censoring, I'd have loved to have heard that version of, <laughs> of him riding Matthews and breaking something. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's jump into to what's really what we're here all about. Um, I don't know if, if you have an opinion, uh, a strong one, but I, I do have a very strong opinion on like how the Red Wings got to where they're at. And uh, so last last week, I was talking with uh, Jordy Cunningham, who who hosts the uh, the Kingston podcast. And uh, it was to, to uh, his description of how this, how this got to the point for the Kings was their inability to let go of aging talent. And lo and behold, the conversation just turned in, well, yeah, that's what the Red Wings did too. They just kept holding on. It was, it was more of like a marketing ploy, something they could keep selling jerseys They could keep coming out with new versions of uh, you know, have another uh, outdoor game and have another 20 debt suit and you know, I shouldn't say twenty I should say another few thousand Jad Sook and from uh, jerseys come off the shelves uh, yeah. and hold on to like those playoff appearances, like we knew we weren't going to win the cup, but we were okay enough to be in that wild card bubble for so long, and then this happened, so I don't know I, that's so the joke of it is all those darn Stanley cups, now we stink so so from from that perspective. That's another reason I think everybody hates Red Wings uh or at least uh hates the Red Wings and and maybe that's that's fading a little bit because of their play their play right now but uh I think if we came around and were great again in the next year I think people would just hate us that much more I don't think that's coming but uh with all that all that summed up that's why the Red Wings stink it's because of loyalty to aging players trying to keep that marketing dollar uh bring it, you know keeping the revenue at like some sort of status quo because they had the same guys coming in. They had those playoff appearances, but what, what is going wrong with the senators? How did this all come to be? How do we go from playoff or how how do we go from Stanley cup, you know, contenders to this?
1: You know, I think it all started with the, the Dushane trade. And I don't think it was because of the skill talent. It was, I think it divided the locker room. It like, there were people, there were people in that locker room that were, who understood that, you know, Dushane is going to be an upgrade on any team over tourists. And if you had to pay someone the big bucks, you were always going to pay Dushane. Like it just, that's how it was. So I think it divided the locker room. I think there were some people that were, you know, there were some players that were like, all right, like, you know, as much as it sucks to lose tourists, you know, yeah, we made it to the, uh, one goal from the the Stanley Cup, why would they trade any of us? And I think that's what a lot of players were thinking. While some players were like, Dushin's the better player. Duchesne gives us a legit number one center that we haven't had. And, that, and they just kind of divided the locker room. Yeah. Um, and it just, it spiraled out of control. There was just discord in it. There was players who, you know, the Hoffman Carlson situation, I think there was more to it than that. Um, you know, last year when uh, Taurus played his first game against Ottawa where he slashed Bobby Ryan's hands and like there was his interview was basically like not everyone liked Taurus and he wasn't you know always liked in the locker room kind of thing there was a culture that was brewing I think it had a lot to do with Boucher Boucher whatever however you want to pronounce his last name I'll take it Boucher works (laughs) Um, and I think it just it just spiraled out of control and no one knew how to stop it and You know, high time being 2020, obviously you don't make that trade. But at the time of the trade, you don't think that that first round pick is going to be anything more than maybe from 20 to, to 31. Right. So I think it's the fact that, you know, it happened so quickly. And then they were able to, the way they stopped it was they accepted the fact that, you know, things needed to change, whether it be players, coaches, whatever the case may be, things needed to change. Uh, so they sold, they sold out. They sold Stone Duchesne, which the Duchesne trade honestly is a steal the way it's looking right now for Columbus. Like, oh yeah, on Ottawa's side of that. Yeah. Um, while you know the same thing with the Zingle. the Duclair for the Zingle swap was fantastic. Um, so I think it's just they they admitted that they need like something needed to be done, and they're like, you know what, we're gonna go all in. We're just gonna rebuild. We're not going to try to piecemeal this. We're not going to try to retool per se. They're just going to mail it in, rebuild it, rebuild it from scratch. And I think that's the only way they could have stopped it from happening was that they had to admit that like this was the time to do it because you had a bunch of UFAs. So just mail it in and get rid of it.
0: So let me say let me ask this um is it is it something where at this point because it sounds like if, if it's if it's the uh, duchene trade and and just correct me if i'm wrong for being so distant from this uh from the scenario and from the ottawa senators but i mean uh where where does pierre dorian fall in line with this and then you're talking about the um the corrections that he's making i mean you get to a point where you're going to start winning the trades once you're as bad as the wings and the senators are which I. I you know, I I love when they go right as well as they did for Duchenne and, and trading him over to Columbus, that that is perfect. Um, but do you still give him are you giving him the credit now? Or 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 what do we
1: I mean personally I've never the, the hatred for Dorian I think has a lot to do with the fact that like there's a lot of hatred for Melnick and there's a misconception misconception that Dorian is just Melnick's puppet. He he took over for Brian Murray, and I think Brian Murray was such respect, like so respected by the fans and so loved by the fans as a general manager that no matter who was taking over, they were always going to be scrutinized until they started winning, um, until they had trades that actually helped them long term. So, you know, you have like the FNUF trade was decent. You know, that was something that had to happen. Yeah you know, Cowan and McCulloch and whatnot. Phaneuf was decent for us in Ottawa. Um, you know, he gets a lot of flack for that zibanejad, zibanejad Broussard trade. Personally, again, that's a trade I think had to happen because Zibanejad wasn't, wasn't willing to mature enough to be a full-time NHLer in Ottawa. Uh, he had that whole DJ thing. Like, he was trying to be a yeah. DJ during the offseason and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, you got to cover all bases. You got, you know, you don't know what's going to yeah, happen Sweden in your you career, know, right? Coming from Sweden with no <laughs> real like structure around him. Yeah. Um. So obviously he went nuts. So I think that trade benefited us. Obviously, I mean, losing out on MacArthur the way it happened sucked. It hurt a lot. Uh, I think he he was an integral part of that run, and like not having him around definitely hurt the team. But I think he gets a lot more hate on than than he deserves, for for what has happened. Like, I don't know what other GM would have been able to come away, come out with that kind of haul yeah. that he did at the trade deadline year, like last year, yeah. In the kind of situation he was in, like the prospects, the picks, you know, the cap flexibility and whatnot. Just, I don't know another GM that would have been able to pull it off that way so quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we could list it off too. And I know I I got to start talking about the wingies here, but uh what are are we looking at 11 picks? I think I I was counting up for the for the Senators. So, I mean, I know we're talking it's 5 picks in the first two rounds. I'm pulling up cap friendly now just yeah, to make sure a, we get that right.
1: Um this year 6 They've uh yeah, they have 11 this year. Um and they have they have five first, like they have five picks in the first two rounds this season, yeah. and they have four picks in the first two rounds next season. Crazy. Um, and, I mean, you have to add in that Shabbat potential trade, which was, should probably bring in a first-round pick either this season, which it most likely will. You know, three first-round picks this year, no matter where they fall, are going to be good. So six picks in the first three rounds potentially this year is fantastic.
0: Yeah, and, and for the Red Wings on this uh... – we're we're getting up to five if we go to three rounds. So, <laughs> we, uh, I mean, we it looks like uh, we're both doing pretty good, stealing from the sharks right now. But I, I honestly, you know, for for the Red Wings, this this is almost that season. Uh, I know that this is supposed to be a huge uh, draft year for the entire NHL. Yeah. Uh, I unfortunately don't have the time to check out junior hockey, so I, I'm going to take everybody's word on that. But for us, it's that that first. Uh, at least hoping we don't fall like we did last year. And I know if we're if we're sticking to uh, dead last, uh, at least we're we're last right now in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you and I, as uh, I'll I'll just say, you and I, me as Detroit and you as Ottawa, uh, as we fight for that final spot. I mean, I I just feel like that could be so much so much more crucial for the Wings, on in my opinion. And you could steal this back. Just because of all those draft picks that Ottawa has right now, and how deep this draft is for the Red Wings, this is make or break. This lottery year, this this opportunity for for Eiserman, who really last year he drafts uh, Moritz Seider in the first round and made that crowd make a sound I've never heard <laughs> at at a uh, at what do you call it at, at just just at the draft, uh, just the the sh- like shock and. And screaming from the rafters. Um, and now that's actually turning turning out to, to look pretty good. Moritz Sider's actually doing pretty good in the NHL right now. But so he whatever wh- whatever did happen, Ismerman kind of got a pass. But now it's not just about giving him a pass or like grading this first this first round. Uh, unless things change and we do start to pull in some more picks, that this is this is, has to be perfect. I feel like for the Red Wings, for Ottawa. I think there's some leeway. I th- I mean especially with three first rounders. And of course, uh unfortunately uh unfortunately we let the sharks uh beat us the other night, but you know, the sharks are down at the bottom of the barrel too. So you 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 could honestly be looking at for Ottawa. This would be insane. Could you imagine number 1 and number 2 pick?
1: <laughs> that would just put us over the board. And I mean <laughs> I think the problem that like Detroit had was that you know, you know, Datsuk just kind of left. He didn't, there, there, like he just left. Um, It
0: it still hurts us. Like, honestly, I'm a guy that if you were in my office right now, I have, um, so I'm, I'm a pop culture fan uh, along with uh, sports. So I've got my Star Wars shrine. I mentioned my wrestling podcast, so I've got my wrestling shrine. Um, But I don't have a Red Wing shrine. Okay. I have (laughs) a Pavel Datsuk shrine. So I've got the bobblehead, I've got the autographs, I've got the posters. It's really disgusting. Like if you were if you were here, you you might ask like, how many times have you snuck over to Russia to see how Pavel Datsuk's doing? <laughs> and you might not believe me when I tell you I haven't been there. But anyway, I like if anybody was hurt by that, it's this guy right here. I mean, I I was the guy that was ready to put him up in the rafters. I will. I will I mean, die on should. the <laughs> they,
1: they should you yeah.
0: you, sh- you should hear the arguments though here in uh, in Detroit. Uh, yeah, people are I'm surprised. yeah they'll they'll, they'll hang him up in uh, uh, just a, a different way. <laughs> um, people get really you know sports, I think we all know in, in general, it's not just Detroit, but uh, I mean, we've been hurt before with like uh, going back to football, Barry Sanders leaving out of nowhere. that yeah. suit's not quite that bad because he was way past his prime.
1: Yeah, I mean he's I t- 40.
0: Well, I, I think he was uh,
1: – Close too, wasn't he? Yeah, like yeah. He was, he was like
0: 38, I think, at the time. Um, but when that kind of thing happens, man, like fans just don't forget. I, no. I just – I know that's a whole other conversation Bag of Worms, but um, uh, getting back to, you know, your point that you were making and, and Datsuk leaving, I think what with with that said to this team was there is nothing here, in his opinion. So regardless, if we want to get mad at Pavel and shake the finger, which, you know, I would be too brokenhearted once I saw his face to be able to do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, regardless if we want to shake the finger at like, this team wasn't going to be great. And his decision to leave, I think, was was more or less not hurting us talent-wise, but that psychological aspect of it, of, like, okay, now there's... Even with the language barrier there's no real veteran leadership here. Um, Or I shouldn't say none because Zetterberg was still there, but you lose that idea of like, there's a chance for this team to win when one of your top forwards says, peace out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so to your point, I I think it's such an onion of uh, discussion to say like Datsuk up and leaving and how many different ways that hurt us. I think honestly, if he still was there, for that, you know, maybe for a next, the next season, maybe we, we get to the wild card and, and sniff, you know, another playoff appearance, but um, we definitely weren't winning the cup. So, no. so, you know, we could talk selfish on his part. Uh, definitely a turning point like that, that, that point where it was like, now nah, we suck. But um, I I do, I will never stop arguing the point that, um, and this, this has been uh, how many years? I think it's been three years now. Um,
1: yeah, boy,
0: yeah. that that was that was that psychological thing for that team where it was like, all right, nobody believes in us at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, with, with that, that is, that is a superb point. Um, I, I don't know. Let's see. I, I did, I did screw up here cause I told you I have to do a hard stop at 20 minutes. I forgot to set the timer. So we're just going to keep talking here. I'm not sure where we're at, but uh, if I could uh, jump back onto I still want to make that argument about how detrimental it is for the Red Wings to be successful in this draft, uh, only because I, I see, what do I want to say here? All the restricted free, I mean, we could, we could conceivably have an issue with Anthony Manta, who's a restricted free agent heading into the season, uh, Su, Tyler Bertuzzi, and then we've got, uh, you know, like the best thing we have going for us is how long that contract is for Dylan Larkin. But we also are nowhere near having six defenders ready to go. Even if Moritz Sider is the second coming of, uh, well, I was going to say Christ, but Litstrom probably would be better than Jesus. But
1: uh, yeah, you guys heard when he retired.
0: If he was the second coming of Littstrom, Uh, you know, that's probably not for another season or two. Uh, so 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 getting back to uh you know who's in who's in the worst spot here and I do apologize Red Wings fans you know how I feel about this um I do say we're 5 years out because of all these expiring contracts some of these guys that are going to get a, a contract at the end of the season will not see the prime of this team they'll be a part of the core while we still stink is the scary part but um so with, with that being said uh I know I did want to mention like the goaltender situation uh for the Red Wings is is just awful we we have we have a kind of solution in uh, uh calvin picard and uh the ahl who's having an okay he's you know he's 913 right now he's he's sub three goals against but in all honestly in all honesty i i don't really see anything there but i i just don't think it's talked about enough for the senators or maybe it's not uh, from the nhl as a whole um i'm I'm pretty impressed with uh, Nelson right now. I I don't know how you guys feel because you have another guy on your team that's 38. Do you see any length of time with Nelson? Is there a goaltender solution? Is, I guess that was, this is what I was coming to. Uh, that you guys see on your team right now, or is this just kind of like okay, he's doing good for 10 games, but this this is this really isn't that much.
1: So actually, about that, like I'm happy you asked because I'm a huge numbers guy when it comes to goalies I'm a huge wins loss save percentage goals against stuff like that and I I, again I don't know if you've heard a couple of my other podcasts I did talk about this on an an episode uh, a couple of episodes ago that
0: might be where I'm stealing it from
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wilson at the time was like 13 14 and 1 since the trade to Ottawa in that same time Anderson was like 5 and 20 he had 12 straight losses last year yeah and like Nielsen, with the same team in front of him, like it just, and I think that's the thing that people forget is that this is the same team in front of both goalies. He had less games of four-plus goals allowed. He had a better save percentage of better goals against average. Um, Nielsen needs to be given more starts in Ottawa, and I think it's happening. Uh, obviously, he had a really bad game against Carolina. He had a bad game against the Islanders. He needs to work on his consistency a little bit more. He's a short-term stopgap goalie for Ottawa, at least as a starter. Okay. Uh, You know, Hogberg in Belleville, we also have Gustafson in Belleville and DeCord in Brampton, our ECHL team. But I think the one guy that not a lot of people are talking about right now is Mad Sogard, uh, who's out in Madison Hat playing in the Western Hockey League. He is the Danish goal – I don't know if you watched the junior – uh, the World Juniors at all, uh, during the, the Christmas time.
0: Uh, he, I'm the guy that gets the highlights <laughs> down here in the States.
1: <laughs> um, no, but go ahead. He, he got lit up against Canada, but he was also the only reason why – so he plays for Denmark, and he's the only reason why it wasn't, like, a 20 to nothing game. He got lit up. I think he got lit up for, like, eight or nine goals, but he still played a really good game the Danes in front of him just weren't that good. And he's having a stellar year in, in Madison hat. And I think he's the future. Okay. Um,
0: I mean, you could and, definitely make the connection then between that Denmark team and how the Sens have been playing the last couple of years. So he, yeah. he'll know what's up I mean, once he's he gets like
1: six, nine on skates. <laughs> oh man. Wow. But he's scrawny. Like he's a lanky, he's a lanky guy. Um, I don't know if Detroit has this. I don't know what other teams do like partake in this, but uh, at least the senators have like a rookie showcase uh, right before the preseason. And because I'm two hours, two and a half hours away from Belleville and that's where it was being held. Uh, I went down there to catch a game with a couple of friends, of uh, friends of mine. And he's walking the concourse at the arena. Cause he wasn't playing that game. And this guy is tall. And like I'm six, four and I felt like my neck was hurting looking up at him. Like he, oh man, he is tall. Like he looks like a like a European basketball player tall. <laughs> but when he go, like he's your if he can work on his up and down speed, he's going to be fantastic. So he is one of the guys that I'm really excited to to see play consistently at this level. Uh, I think he's our future in net. Uh, I mean, he's only like 19 so he he has a lot of room to grow but nielsen i think will be our starter next year obviously uh hogberg's most likely going to be our backup nielsen's going to be our starter until he's probably about like 31 32 and then he gets traded unless he can prove that he can be you know a solid starter well, yeah see- i'm probably
0: i'm probably coming out of order too with those questions because i i, I would tell you that you know even with um with what the Red Wings have, it's, it's tough to pinpoint any of these guys that could be a part of, of the future because I still see us being like five years out. And there's a string of interviews with, with Steve Eiserman that uh, we used to play as drops uh, on the show all the time where Eiserman would be asked, like, what's the timetable? When is this going to turn around? When are we going back to the playoffs? You could see, like, in their eyes they wanted to grab him by the scruff of his jacket and shake Eiserman just to get an answer out of him. And he would never answer. And I yeah. think that is so telling to where Iserman really does see this team. And I th- I think it's good that he would want to play it out and rather have you know ha- have a great team and take the time to build it. But all that being said, five years is kind of where I see
1: it. But I think the difference between Ottawa and Detroit really is Ottawa had a deep prospect pool before this rebuild happened, and that's not being talked about a lot. Yeah. When it comes to when can this team contend, is. We already had guys like Logan Brown, um, you know, Formentin, uh, White, Shabbat. We had all these, a lot of these guys in our system already, and then we just added the likes of Norris and Balsers and off and, and like you know, Branstrom to an already relatively deep uh, prospect pool. Yeah. So, uh, like, I hear people talking like, "Oh, Detroit, Ottawa, they're so similar." They are, but they're not because. Detroit is starting from absolute scratch. They don't yeah, well, really listen have, up, Red Wings fans. Uh, <laughs> they don't have much to to trade when it comes to value. Like you look at their roster, like who's really going to take on you know a thirty four year old Mike Green or a thirty five year old Erickson at their kind of contracts with a good pick? Like they're they're at the bottom of their back of end of their career at non team friendly contracts. No,
0: it, it's ugly, man. I, I'm telling you, because what, what we're looking at, too, with, with our prospect pool, if, uh, if you read like, our local sports writers, they basically paint this picture. If all of our guys turn out to be Dylan Larkin, we might have a team. I'm not kidding. That is as ugly as it is. Um, and, and what hurts our prospect pool is time. Is we got a guy like, uh, like Joe Valeno um comes in hot and had a great junior season last year like last year he was he was in every single prospect article for you know written about the red wings locally locally now when you went and branched out and you took a look at the rest of the nhl there's all these reasons that joe valeno was successful now we're 17 games in the ahl season um and all anybody can talk about is how people are skating circles around him he's a minus 14 He's got seven points. I mean this was a guy that if you had asked a Red Wings fan, I mean a hardcore Red Wings fan, behind Philip Sedina, who's the other guy you're excited about? It was Joe Valeno. And now, I mean, I don't know I don't to your point, even if we wanted to trade away a young guy that we could turn around and say, well, maybe you know maybe we want Steve Eiserman to get an extra draft pick. Maybe he knows what's up. I don't know how, how much we'd be able to, to get for this guy. I think somebody's going to have to – they're reaching pretty far to see a ton of talent there, uh, especially in what he's been able to do in the transition from juniors to the AHL. Granted, 17 games, but a very, very ugly 17 games. And that's – I mean, that, that's what it feels like to us is every – I'll tell you the fear. It's like every second we don't make a move, Feels like that's another opportunity for like Mantha to like hurt himself or, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't want to trade Mantha, but I like the idea of having every opportunity out there. (laughs) So every second that, you know, these guys aren't traded or there isn't at least a conversation about upgrading or pulling in some more defensemen or pulling in more draft picks. It just feels like we're getting closer to finding out that there isn't enough talent uh, in the prospect pool. There isn't enough uh in the forward lineup that you know if these guys get tired uh for the rest of the season and they they kind of give up and throw in the towel uh which i would i would stop playing hard if we go halfway through this year and there's no chance um there goes there goes trade bait top to bottom so like i i hope i hope Bradwings fans like i'm not trying to be mean i just want to be realistic this really is going to be a journey, <laughs> but, um, you know, I did jump on, on, on you for that, but, uh, what I, I, I got to come back to you and let you finish your point.
1: Well, talking about, uh, Valeno, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, you know, the co- closest comparable for him on Ottawa's side is Josh Norris. Yeah. Uh, highly touted out of Michigan. I, I you know, obviously, uh, someone that I feel like Detroit fans should know, relatively well if they follow NCAA hockey,
0: he's don't, come out. Don't trust him to do that, but.
1: <laughs> um, fair. Uh, he's come out and he, he struggled mightily in his own end so far with Belleville. And, like, he has 12 points in 15 games. But I think what, you know, on, to, to make an argument to Detroit fans is what kind of talent is surrounding these guys in uh, Grand Rapids? Is it you know NHL caliber talent or is it AHL talent? Because I went to the Belleville game last night against Milwaukee, and I don't know why, but they have the Brewers logo on their jerseys. I'm still very confused. But there, <laughs> there was incidences where you know Balsters, Norris, Batherson, Lejeune, and Yaros, five NHL caliber prospects, and realistically, all of but all but one have played a game. For the center, more than three games for the Senators in the last two seasons. And that one person is Norris. Um, Norris is coming off an injury, but they hemmed – they didn't score, but they – or they didn't score right then, but they hemmed Milwaukee in their own zone probably four or five times for a good minute plus. And if you're a prospect, you want to be playing with NHL-level talent, yeah. especially if you're an NHL-level talent prospect. And looking at, you know, Detroit's prospect pool or like their non-roster forwards, at least through cap friendly, you know, Schnefnikoff and Sedina and Rasmussen. I mean, okay, that's three players. Outside of that, there's no, like you have Chris uh, Terry, who's a 30 year old. Yeah, right. <laughs> who has been a bust and realistically like attitude on him that, for no reason like the guys on the the AHL team at least from an outsider's perspective is that there's no real talent there's no NHL level talent on that team
0: oh yeah and and I'm glad that you're saying that too because i mean chris terry right now has been getting the push from some of the you know you go to like reddit and see these conversations and you see the the red wings fans pushing for the yes 30 year old chris terry to get the call up why because he leads the grand rapids griffins in points um guys come on cat's <laughs> 30 years old this isn't the guy that we're going to be messing around and calling up and calling down he's doing a great job in grand rapids you keep him there but i'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear this perspective outside of my own mouth but uh no continue
1: like it's just ottawa again ottawa has a, a huge advantage over uh detroit and unfortunately detroit shouldn't be comparing themselves to ottawa they should be really comparing themselves to the kings who are very much in a similar kind of situation. They're holding on to to older players, trying to, you know, make those push with, like, you know, Kopitar, Brown, Carter, Doughty. Even though Doughty's, I think, what, he's just turned 30 or he's 29? And quick, like, they're holding on to pieces of that 2014, 2012, like those two cup wins. Oh, yeah. And they don't you gotta have – got to push those jerseys, man. And they don't have that deep of a prospect pool. So, at least Detroit has actually, you know – Uh, a leg up on LA and have admitted that they need a rebuild. They need to rebuild this program from scratch. And
0: yeah, at least least uh, I'll say in the last two weeks of uh, you know, now a discussion with uh, the Kings and now of course with yourself and talking to senators, I do believe you guys are in the best possible position right now. I think that's pretty easy. Even if we take away uh, what you have going for you in the 2020 draft. The Kings are in the absolute worst position uh, because it, even when you take a look at what they're doing, you know who who's the leaders on those teams. They're they're all in their thirties, like you said. Yeah. Um, so at least with the Red Wings, we can we can at least point to a guy like Dylan Larkin who's doing a great job and is probably going to end up wearing that C. And and the Cats, twenty three years old, you know, there's a lot of oil to be run through that engine.
1: So I. Like personally, if I was Eisenman, looking at it just based off of who's on the roster and their ages, you know, uh, Filippula, Helm, Nielsen, uh, uh, Green, Erickson, those Wait, guys. I got to throw Howard, up while you
0: keep saying those names. Just let me throw up real quick.
1: <laughs> Howard and Bernier. I'm like, they're not coming back next year. Like, Green, Erickson, and, and Howard are all UFAs that let them walk. They're all 35-plus. Let them walk, but those are guys I'm looking to trade at the deadline because if yep. you're gonna suck, you may as well suck <laughs> with your prospects. Yeah, and I think that's what you know Ottawa fans have accepted, and that's what management for Ottawa has done. They're like, you know, we're gonna have our core of veterans, you know, Bobby Ryan and whatnot, but and it's not gonna be a good year, but we're gonna play the kids, and the kids are all right, we're not gonna win many games but we're at least going to be competitive and we're going to be fun to watch. And I think Iserman needs to look at that and be like, okay, I'm going to take whatever I can get for these, you know, 34 plus year olds and just call up the kids and let the kids play. You know, I think it was getting Fabry was a fantastic move on his part, but I think it's time that, you know, as a, as a fan base, I think the, the Red Wings need to look a lot at what Otto is doing and be like, okay, maybe it's time to just sell sell low. You know, don't care what you really get for some of these older players, if it's a second, third, don't look at first round picks because you're not getting them. But look at, you know, because you can package picks. You can package yeah. two second round picks for a first round pick, depending on where you're willing to to move up and is it right. really worth it. Right. <laughs> but you know, you also have guys on you know injured reserve that yeah, they're not counting towards your cap but you can still trade them like you have Kaiser who's at five mil and I don't know if he's going to be back anytime soon, but he's the only one that I'd be willing to keep at, you know, five mil at 29. And he's probably one of your best defensemen, at least from like a fan outside
0: perspective. Definitely. uh, Yeah. You nailed it. That's the problem is that, uh, you know, when you, you took one, if you take one step down that list, you have probably the absolute hardest contract to move in the NHL, which would really? be Abdulkader. Oh my God, he he, his uh, expected goals differential and his possession statistics have all been at the bottom of the league for the last couple of years, and the cat is getting paid four point two five million. Yeah, They're, yeah, that, like that's the thing. We're just stuck with this, and I think the game that Iserman is playing is you know winking a nod. Yeah, Abdulkader's out for the year. <laughs> And I think that's that's the best possible play right now. I mean, that's me throwing on my conspiracy theorist cap, which also would tell me I think we are going to wait till that trade deadline to move some of these contracts because I think a part of this, in all honesty, I know I know we're talking about no these these guys play hard every night and uh, they you know they respect the game too much to not throw in the towel. Same thing goes for management, but I would make the argument that Iserman is doing the right thing. By keeping in the old crappers, so that we get that better chance to land LeFrangier. <laughs> I yeah. I really think you know what if we rolled the dice, and I'm I'm kind of kidding here, but I'm also fearful. <laughs> we roll the dice, we bring up Sedina, and even though last year when we brought him up, meh, not not impressive at all. But what if he comes up this year, and he's a world beater? What if he plays with Larkin and Mantha, and that is the perfect thing we needed to give us, now we have a top, you know, we have a first line and a second line that can score. What do we do then? Now we're stuck in mediocrity. Now we're going to make no. our way so close to the, the playoff bubble that we're going to have a terrible pick. So I, I'm going to say, I think that's part of Eisenman's genius.
1: Keep on. Well, yeah, they, should, they should keep him until at least the, the deadline, but come deadline, oh, yeah. you sell low and start calling these guys up. Because realistically, okay, Zadina comes up and, that top line of Larkin, Zadina, and Manta is fantastic. You don't build off the, the early success. You you stay to the plan no matter what the results are. Like the first three years, unless the results are negative, you stick to the plan. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't vary. You don't go out and sign. You don't pull a Toronto and go out and sign someone to 11 mil when you have three players who are going to ask for a minimum of seven within the next two years of each other. You don't go do that. You, you just, you don't? That's not, that's not smart hockey. I understand you want to be strong down the middle. You can be strong down the middle with Kadri and Bozak, because guess what? Bozak won a cup with St. Louis as their second, third-line center. You could have got the same results out of those two for half the price as you would have for one person.
0: Uh, I think you're forgetting that Kyle Dubas is an analytics master. So he's a genius. So obviously <sighs> he's making the right choice.
1: <laughs> I'm just yeah, yeah, Analytics master. Okay. It <laughs> sounds like frigging uh, Barry wants out of Toronto. Babcock's the most overrated coach in the NHL. Oh, he is so I, fired. <laughs> I, 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 you know, how, how, I don't understand how people make the argument. Oh, he's won gold with Canada. Whoop-de-doo. I could win gold as coach with Canada. A two-year-old could win (laughs) as coach with Team Canada. No offense to to the States and like Team USA, but when you have like a lineup of like Crosby, Stamkos, Sergei, like just uh, world beaters every Olympics, you're gonna win. (laughs) See, that's (laughs) the problem.
0: He's depending too much on an American player. I've nailed it. (laughs) I that Austin Matthews. He's got to go. That's the problem with the Leafs. Honestly, I'm kidding. Honestly, pro- Everybody, honestly, I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> I think Matthews is overrated purely based on if you look at his, game, his points. Oh, man. His points based off his, his games played. Yeah, they're, they're decent. He's at a point a game. But Eichel, I, I, at the end of last season, Eichel was behind him by two points with like tw- seven games less, like played with a crappier supporting staff and Stamkos with like almost 25 games left or less played was like a point behind him.
0: I, I'll tell you. So there, there's two things that are come with this. Uh, we're definitely going to have to do this as a teaser for our next conversation. Cause uh, like I said, I started uh, timing this late and now we're at 35 minutes. So we we're, were well past that 20 minute threshold. I got to tell you, I would probably trade almost anybody on the Red Wings for Austin Matthews and eat that contract. Um, but I, I, I just want to leave that, uh, there and we'll come back just real quick. Give me your pick for this Tuesday's game, Red Wings and Senators. And then, uh, and then we'll have to bid adieu.
1: Yeah. Um, honestly, looking at the last game, I think it's the, the Red Wings. That being said, Ottawa doesn't have the best record in Detroit over the last couple of years. Also don't know who's starting yet. If it's Anderson, it's a toss up really, Is he going to only allow one goal or is he going to allow four? Who knows? Better watch to find out.
0: (laughs) Well, I've got a pretty long streak going of picking anybody that's playing the Red Wings. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to point to the last game and say it's definitely the Sens that are taking it. I mean, the the fun thing is that uh, we seem to turn it up when we're playing. uh, I I, I don't want to offend anybody here. When we're playing the better teams in the NHL, um, yes, we've determined the Ottawa Senators are better than the Red Wings, but, uh, I think they're just bad enough to beat us in overtime based on our trends so far this year. <laughs> uh, so with that, I, I, I'm going to say this one, you know what, let's take it to overtime. Let's do that. This one's going to overtime, but, the uh, Sens are taking it.
1: I'm okay with that. I think, uh, that'll be good. As long as whenever Toronto plays next, they lose. Okay. Cause <laughs> I want to see hockey Twitter erupt when Toronto and Ottawa are tied with wins.
0: What do you think happens when we schedule the round table, table for the bottom feeders and we have to call the Toronto Maple Leafs podcast? Do you think they're going to respond? or I
1: think, think they're going to be... respond. They're just going to be, you know, cynical and <laughs> very angry that they're there. I uh, like that. Yeah. I can, I can giggle
0: through an entire podcast where I talk about my favorite hockey team being unable to win, but uh, I, I really do want to hear – uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan.
1: Um, yeah. Pretty angry talk about it.
0: All right. Well, with that, uh, I just, I'm going to throw out my deets and then uh, Shane will give you an opportunity, but everybody remember that's uh, at BOD hockey to find the brothers of discussion and the discussion five on Twitter and a quick shout out again. It's at BOD podcast. If you guys want to follow the brothers of discussion for uh, pro wrestling talk and uh, Shane have at
1: it. Uh, yeah. You can follow uh, frozen biscuit podcast on Twitter, uh, frozen biscuit podcast. Literally the first thing that pops up.
0: <laughs> oh, that was so much smarter to do a Twitter handle that lines up with the name of your podcast. All right, everybody. Uh, again, my name's Matt, and uh, thank you so much for tuning in, Ottawa Senators fans. I appreciate uh, everything that you do for the NHL and hanging around with that team. And uh, I hope maybe you'll join the uh, Brothers of Discussion for an episode or two. Uh, so that is it for me.
1: Yeah, I man, it was a great pleasure. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, Shane. <laughs> it was a fun combo. All right, uh see you later everybody. Have a good one.